What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show that is being recorded live at the Tin Roof in downtown Indianapolis as Kyle and I are here to cover the NFL Scouting Combine. Fun show concept today. Well, tip of the hat to the Tin Roof for having us. It's a nice little setup they got here. Pretty cool. Looking forward to coming back again, uh, getting some dinner tonight. Definitely filling up while, while the workouts are taking place. It's our first day of workouts today, which I'm stoked about. But that is not what we are here to discuss here and now. We're here to talk about Doomsday. Doomsday. Nightmares, Kyle. Yeah, go ahead. This was your idea, so you go ahead. And yes. Yes. So it's always fun. We always have a lot of hope for what will happen with our favorite teams in the first round of the draft. But there's always those ideas in the back of your mind that you just don't want to see happen. And so we asked the TDN, TDN Premium Slack members for their doomsday scenarios, what yeah. they don't want their team to do in the first round that is realistic. And we're going to respond to those today. And we're going to tell you to either back off the ledge or just go ahead and jump off because that's probably yeah, going to happen. It's the Charles Harris scenario. This is <laughs> the Charles Harris Scenario, yes. My doomsday came to life in 2017, and I lived this nightmare every single time I watch a game. Very quick reminder of that story. Kyle and I were in an elevator getting ready to go do our first-ever broadcast of the NFL Draft. We were in Phoenix, Arizona at the FanRag Sports office. Yes. And right as we were getting off the elevator, I looked at Kyle and I said, what is the realistic thing that the Miami Dolphins could do that uh, would just – Crush you. Crush your soul. Would crush your soul. And the answer was draft Charles Harris. What'd they do? They drafted Charles Harris. All right. So And by the way, Charles Harris has three and a half more sacks in the NFL than I do. So But he has more is he has more penalties than than sacks, right? Yes. I, I think if you did like war, yeah. you know they do war for baseball. Wins above replacement. Yeah, you do you do that in, with Charles Harris, I might have a higher war than Charles Harris. Ah, I see ah, what you did there. Ah. So he may have more sacks, but your war might be better. Yeah, my, my net influence. You're, you're like uh, you're like Devlin Hodges to uh, to Mike Thomas. I just don't kill you. He, he ain't, I, he I ain't killed us. <laughs> he ain't killed us. Kyle Krabs has not killed the Dolphins. That's true. Charles Harris has. Um, okay, so speaking of, yeah, the first one, I guess this one I'll give to you first. Well, I here. mean, we're not. We're both yeah, going to talk is, about yeah, these. It's, it it's not takes on takes, but exclusive. Yeah, look, I'll I'll go ahead and present this one. Okay, the first. Doomsday scenario as Paige DeMacos, chief operating officer of the Draft Network, joins us here the in the room. Boss is here. Looks here. Yeah, we got to be pretend you're working. We got to be buttoned up, um, and, and they're pretty much just not be ourselves in any way, shape, no, or form. Definitely. And this this will go just fine. All right. So Ryan, his doomsday scenario for the Miami Dolphins is the Dolphins drafting Justin Herbert at five instead of trading up for to a tag of Iowa. Ryan, come here. No, seriously, lean in here. Listen. To He's me. got his fingers going like this. Come, come yeah, close. Yeah, come, come closer. This is not a doomsday scenario. I know the Dolphins have been attached to Tua for 14 months now. Ever since they fired uh, Adam Gase and they announced they were going to do a rebuild, it's been the Dolphins love Tua. I understand that. But this is not a doomsday scenario for the simple fact that if you stay at five, you have more bullets in the chamber. You get more shots to make more picks. And that's not a bad thing. And for my money... Justin Herbert and Tua, the drop-off is not such a glaring significance that you would be costing yourselves dearly by electing to pass on Tua to keep Justin Herbert and get those extra picks as well. I think this, in the grand scheme of things, 
would be my preferred method to stay at five at the very least. Yeah. And then whatever they choose to do is what they choose to do. But I would prefer to stay at five. And you and I talked about this. You ready for some real talk from Joe Marino? On the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a fan of the Buffalo Bills. Breaking news, right? Yep. And as a fan of the Buffalo Bills, I don't really like the Miami Dolphins, right? Not my, not we don't my even f- like each other. It Really. It, the truth comes out. Okay, so listen. As a fan of the Buffalo Bills, I hope the Miami Dolphins draft Justin Herbert. I do. I absolutely do. I think Tua is a better quarterback prospect. And and I think Herbert, for as appealing as he is, and I, I'm not a Herbert hater, okay? I'm not. But this is a guy who, for his physical skills, doesn't necessarily win off structure. Him coming off his first read, working progressions, handling uh, chaos. I think those Sounds are things. Sounds a lot like Josh Allen. It, yes, absolutely. And, and you know I've said this before. Justin Herbert's starting point is significantly further along than Josh Allen. But I think that there's a higher bus factor for Justin Herbert than I think there is Tua. And for that reason, as Why? a Bills fan, because of the reasons I just said, Tua is superior off script. He has better accuracy. He works progressions. I, I like Tua as a, as a quarterback. Oh, you're saying the bus factor is higher for, for, two, for, for, for Herbert, Herbert versus yeah. Tua, not yes. Herbert versus yes. Josh Allen. And so as, as a Bills fan, I, I hope that your quarterback busts, just like you hope the same for me. So what do you mean? I'm not hope. Ho- hope he busts. What do you mean? Right. You're all right. So, <laughs> let, you want, let, all right. Let's talk about the New York Giants. Yeah, we're gonna and get into the Giants. We've got a, we've got a couple of Giants takes here. One from Zach Keats in the premium Slack, and one from Thomas, who is this live is with us here at the Tin hey, Roof. Uh, and he, let's start with Thomas, right? And he, he's here. He deserves he to hear his take first. Right. But we got We had to do the Dolphins first. So I guess you're also Selfishly, here. Selfishly, uh, yes, I'm here as well. On brand, on brand. Um, all right. So, go ahead. What is yeah, Thomas? Is, so, so Thomas talked to us before the show, and he said his doomsday scenario would be living the same nightmare that he lives every single year, (laughs) which is that the Giants never trade down in the draft. And that, to him, is his doomsday scenario, which I think is an interesting, at least, conversation point for us to have because there would be merits for the Giants doing this based on what you feel about the rest of the roster. Yeah, I think I I can understand why Thomas would want the Giants to trade back. It's a deep draft, especially in terms of premium talent. You can move back a bit. You can get more picks. We got a problem, though. We got a problem that's going to push you off the ledge a little here. Dave Gettleman, general manager, the one thing he's never done in his career in any draft is trade back. All right? He just doesn't do it, Thomas, my guy. So um, you would really be counting on Dave Gettleman to break. Having an epiphany. Right. Going against the core principle. What's interesting, though, is his boy, his protege, Brandon Bean, who I think are very different in so many ways. Brandon Bean, you know what he's never does? He never trades back either. He, this guy's traded up, trades up four times in two drafts. So uh, I think I think the Giants are going to have a player that they love at four, and they're going to sit there and draft him. And and I, and I, Thomas, I hate to tell you, man, I think your doomsday scenario is going to come true. Nothing to disagree with, which is a good segue into Zach's. Yes, because we disagree with Zach's. Yeah, so Zach's. Let me give this to you. Let me give this to you. It's not give and take. I know, but I want you to go first. I want to read it. Okay. Zach from the premium Slack. Okay. Did I just freestyle right there? Uh, Zach, Zach says, off the rails. Zach says his doomsday scenario for the New York Giants is drafting Mekhi Becton, the Louisville offensive tackle at four. I do not know why Mekhi Becton at four would be a bad thing because you think about the Giants' brand of play. They want to run the ball. They want to be blue-collar. They want to be tough, right? That's the Gettleman brand. That's what you hear Joe Judge talk about. Mekhi Becton is all of those things. 
And by the way, at 6'7", 362, 364 pounds, whatever healthy he is. Healthy young man per he, Benjamin Sola. He is large. Let's Sweet Christmas, that that's a healthy man. He is very imposing in person. He's already big, and then they put him on the podium yesterday. Right, it was and ridiculous. And you're looking up at him, and it's like you're a small child looking at a grown man. It was David amazing. and Goliath, man. And Mackay backed in. The hand power's there. I understand that the light bulb came on for him this year. But is it a coincidence that the light bulb comes on in which Louisville has a coaching change and brings in competent coaches to yeah. their program and really helped him turn the corner? So I think the fact that there's context here where there was a big catalyst for change in the Louisville program and that brought the best out of Mackay Becton. That has me feeling like this is not a doomsday scenario. It's pretty realistic when you consider what Dave Gettleman's tendencies are. You think about what the Giants have up front. Mackay Becton playing next to Will Hernandez. Mm. Just run Saquon. Tell Saquon run left every play. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. run the ball consistently. Be a lot of space. Yeah. All right. I have no disagreements. Good. You want to give me this one here? Read this. Yeah, one? this is a take from Rahul in the uh, premium slack for the Colts. Uh, this is his doomsday scenario. Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Derek Brown, and Javon Kinlaw are all gone by the 13th pick. I think there's a there's a reasonable chance that this is a possibility, but here, here's where I'm not going to debate this. And, and maybe, like, dude, it'd be all right if you pass on Jordan Love. I'm not sure that you want to hit your wagon there, but here's the deal. It's okay. If none of these guys are available, this is okay because you know what that probably means? It's a good draft. Yeah, you're, you're you getting, might be able to get Jerry Judy. You might be able to get C.D. Lamb. Might. Might there. You might be able to get a Henry Ruggs. I mean, there's going to be a good football player for you, and you also have Chris Ballard who's done a really nice job of manipulating the order. If Chris Ballard doesn't like his options at 13, he's going to move back, and he's going to continue to stockpile picks. So if this is your – nightmare scenario, Raul. Just remember who your GM is, Chris Ballard, and trust that he's going to manipulate the board like he's done for two years now. Which is interesting in that you think about some of the takes that we've had already. There's GM tendencies here. Chris Ballard has proven if he doesn't like what he sees, there's a break glass in case of emergency right here in the tradeback scenario, and he routinely finds good value for his picks by manipulating the draft board, as you said. Uh, Take from Zach Rogers, his doomsday scenario. Well, he wants me to elaborate on my doomsday scenario. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is this is good context. Joe, your doomsday scenario, your Charles Harris of 2020, yeah. is wide receiver T. Higgins from the Clemson Tigers at 22 yeah. to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Explain, so, well, please. A lot of people, T. Higgins has his fans. But here's, here's where One I'm One of them sitting right here at the table. Uh, you? Yeah. Okay. I have an early two on T. Higgins. All right. So, so T. Higgins... Um, Everybody says the most important thing that the Bills have to do this year, this offseason, is get some playmakers for Josh Allen so that the offense can score more points. If it's such a big need, there's no way that I want to trust this to a player that I think, one, needs a lot of work, and number two, I think does not fit well with the Bills' offense. T. Higgins, ball skills, body control, vertical tracking, those types of things, what he can do at the catch point. He wins down the field almost 20 yards a catch this year for Clemson. Yeah. His ability to produce within the offense is reliant on Josh Allen to be able to hit throws down the field. Kyle, Or you rely on the fact that he's one of the rare-bodied, long, big-bodied, vertical-winning downfield receivers, and he expands Josh Allen's capabilities because he's got a larger catch radius than the other guys. I don't don't buy into it. I don't buy – I mean, I I just don't think that he's – a meaningful enough skill set. I think he doesn't do enough things for me to get excited by him as a first-round wide receiver, especially in this year's draft. If I'm going receiver in the first round and I'm the Bills, I want Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, or nobody. 
I'm willing to wait on somebody else. T. Higgins is not worth the pick at 22, but I feel like I can get a good option at 54. Oh, and that's, that is at the crux of it. The dilemma is what percentage of T. Higgins can you get with a, a, a second-round wide receiver? Or Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah. I mean, even Van Jefferson. Sure. Too, yeah, know? yeah. All right, so that's, that's why that's my doomsday scenario. Kyle, ooh, yeesh. This, this, <laughs> for the record... This is a doomsday. All right, Justin. This would not be good. Okay. Justin for the raid. <laughs> Jordan Love at 12. <laughs> T. Higgins at 19. Man. Ultimate doomsday. Hate on T. Higgins Day here on yeah, Draft Dudes. I'll is. tell you, you hate yeah. to see it. Um, I think the, the Jordan Love at 12, why? You know, this is a team I, I get that they've been connected to potentially signing Tom Brady and rumors and whispers of wanting to move on from Derek Carr. Jordan Love at 12? Mm. If this Hard happens, pass. Yeah, th- this is, you know, and I like Jordan Love's base foundation as a football player, what he's able to do with his arm, his natural athleticism, his ability to make plays outside of structure. You see a lot of quarterbacks that go into the pros, and they have success quickly because they can win outside of structure. And that way when things break down or they're not quick to see the reads, they win in that capacity. Jordan Love, for my money, is way too scattershot. He's got a big jump. As far as level of competition, the only quality teams that he's played against, you know, LSU was an ugly football game. That was the best team far and away that Jordan Love played this year. And look, I get he had drops. He had a ton of drops. He's wide receiver drops, drop footballs left and right. But you're talking about a fourth quarterback in the top 12. Yeah. And it being to a team like the Raiders, who has the kind of needs that they need elsewhere, that, that for me is what makes this such a, a hard pill to swallow. If you're, if you're thinking about Jordan Love at 12, just keep Derek Carr. Please, yeah. right? I mean, like well, that's not a that's not a, a convincing upgrade. T. Higgins, I think, is realistic, right? That Mike Mayock, John Gruden, they how many Clemson guys did they draft last year? They wanted to bring in guys that had success in college, yeah, at winners. big-time program winners. I mean, that's T. Higgins. So I think you have something to be worried about there if you don't want Higgins. But love at twelve, man. Oof. Can you see it happening though? Maybe we didn't get into that. Like, can you see them doing that? No, I see. I can't either. No. So I think we're good here. Um, Jack, Yeesh. also yeah. doomsday scenario. Okay. This is a real one. Yeah. Bucks nightmare scenario. Jacob Eason or Austin Jackson at 14, especially Austin Jackson. Your thoughts? I'd rather see – okay, I don't like either one of these players. All right, I've talked a lot about Eason. As football players. Right, as football players. Okay. And we, we did the entire, we did the entire like OT5 podcast that really gives you some insight into where we were both yes. on Austin Jackson. With that said – for the Bucks, give me Austin Jackson over Jacob Eason in the first round. In the first round. Neither one is the guy you want to target at 14. I agree. Jack, this is absolutely a nightmare scenario. But if I have to pick one, I want Jackson. Yeah, I agree. He's a better chance to help him. Eventually. Austin Jackson, too, he, he didn't have a chance to participate in a lot of the offseason stuff. So he was a little bit behind this year as far as getting... Hit the, knocking the rust off and, and getting into a firm playing shape. So he seemed like he did get stronger throughout the course of the season. And he, he's a toolsy guy. And you see toolsy offensive tackles. Time and time again, they get coveted early because they got the traits that you can't teach. Yeah. Austin Jackson is one of those kinds of players. With that said, how long's the list of offensive tackles you'd rather have instead of Austin Jackson at 14? It's, it's, there's it's at least six, six or seven yeah, names six on or it seven for me. Deep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Sam, who uh, Packers fan Sam, he goes, my draft day nightmare for the Packers. We reach pick 30 with Rager, Jalen Rager, and Patrick Queen still on the board 
and the Packers trade back to the early second with both of those guys being picked before that early second. Just sit there and draft one of them, right? Yeah, don't make this harder than it has no. to be, right? Patrick For Queen, a three, or what are you going to get? A Patrick, three? Patrick Queen replacing Blake Martinez oh, is geez. a home run. Right. As far as Rager, I wouldn't sweat that one too hard because, again, comparable players to the wide receiver position, you're going to be able to find a guy that can bring that speed, quickness, slot dynamic to your, your football team fairly, I don't want to say fairly easily, because I think Rager is one of the top six or seven wide receivers in the yeah. draft. He's a dog, man. He, yeah, he's got that He's got that nasty streak about him. Yeah. But the, the Patrick Queen pill would be very hard to swallow. I don't think you need to worry about the Packers not picking Queen. He's not getting there. Baltimore. Yeah, he's not. Baltimore, Jacksonville, Oakland. He's, he's just not getting there. Baltimore. That would be a dream pick for them. I need it. Why do you? I mean, yeah, okay. All right, so... I don't see the Ravens do good. Really? Yeah, I like the fact that they were super ambitious and progressive with how they chose to, to rebuild is this, their franchise. Is this, your, is this your local flavor here a little bit? No. Like, okay. I, I, Dolphins get crushed, get smashed yeah, by the Ravens every time. They, you know what? The, I think the, kind of, the combined score of the last three games the Dolphins yeah. and, and Give Ravens it to have me. played together, Give it to me. I think it's like 129 to 13. Mm. That's not competitive yeah, that's, football. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's it's like, up along those the lines. The margin between Alabama and Tennessee over the last three years is not that wide. It's not as wide as the margin between any Ravens and Dolphins. And then the Dolphins beat the Patriots every yeah. year. Like, explain it. NFL, I brother. I, I, I can't. All right. So, Paul Prince. Draft day nightmare for the Steelers. Yep. Not drafting an interior offensive lineman to replace Ramon Foster. Forcing Filer, good at right tackle, to kick inside and Zach Banner to play right tackle. Yeah, it's interesting. The Steelers don't have a first-round pick. So yeah, that stinks. Whenever I, whenever I do – whenever they have Minka Fitzpatrick, good first-round pick. Minka, by the way, complaining again because yeah, he doesn't like the way he's being Minka used. Minka Fitzpatrick, good player, uh, good first-round pick. They, they hit on it. They More hit like on, Stinka. I feel like they hit on their first-round pick. They don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, but they did. All right. So they He's don't already have, disgruntled. All right, listen. Mucho te querisi. All right, so second-round pick, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um it's difficult because I, I've toyed with a lot of ideas with mock drafts. Actually, my last one, I gave him Josh Uch. And if, if Bud Dupree's not back, ooh, that'd be a beautiful, beautiful pick. But I see where he's going with this, right? You're bringing back Ben. You need that offense to get on track. Your defense is set. Now, they've got some free agents that I think they're going to lose defensively that we should be a little concerned about, and their cap situation's not great. But I do agree with him. Ramon Foster, really, he really didn't play as well this past year. Matt Filer was a really good player at right tackle. And so when I think about the value added to your offensive line, and we're starting to uncover it, right? Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Uh, there's other guys, uh, Robert, Robert Hunt, Hunt. Uh, Matt Hennessy. I think he's probably Hennessey. more of a center. But there, there's good, there's starting caliber into your offensive line that I think they'll be able to get in that range. And the value of knowing that you can get a starter there and then you're not weakening your offensive line at two spots, I think is very valuable. So. Yeah, it's don't hard. don't make one problem on your roster become right. two problems on your roster. But for a second round pick, it's difficult for me to like. Okay, this is truly doomsday. But I see where you're going in terms of wanting this to happen. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. Who, who sent this in? Uh, FXL3. I took some crap because I I was caught off guard with that not being an actual name. The, the other day, he reached yeah. out to me on Slack. Yeah. All right, so this is his draft up, huh? draft doomsday scenario for the Cleveland Browns. Three to four offensive tackles go in the top ten, and the Browns don't value whoever is left. This leads them to drafting a position of inferior value into your defensive line How slash linebacker. You, uh, or they trade down and miss most 
of the blue chip talent without gaining enough draft capital. All right, so how far do you have to trade? This needs qualifiers. How far is a trade down that, that doesn't gain enough draft capital? I mean, if a team wants to jump up in front of the – if Isaiah Simmons is on the board and a team wants to jump up and grab You should – I mean, this is the – that's what I did in my mock draft on Monday right. that everyone he, killed me for. Right. They got a two, a three, and a two. That, that's plenty. No, a two – so they got a lot. They got the same deal that the Broncos and Steelers put together. Plus right, for the Devin Bush. Yeah, no plus other. an additional three next year. Yeah. Like, it was super that, reasonable. So, that I, I'm not worried about that You're going to get three top 100 picks. So, let's pivot the doomsday here to three to four offensive tackles go left, and the Browns, conversely, choose to value Javon Kinlaw. Any one of those four offensive tackles would be fine for Cleveland. Yeah, just take the best tackle. Yeah, that's... Like, I'm not too worried about what your scheme looks like. You should just draft them. Whatever one's left, just draft them. Even if it's Andrew Thomas. Yeah, you can kick Andrew Thomas inside the car. Oh, please. 36 plus and you're out of your mind. All right, we agree that they should draft whatever offense tackle. Yeah, just, just draft a tackle. But right. he's saying the doomsday is, is if they elect to go a different direction other than attack. So that's, would that yeah, make we, this a doomsday? Though? I don't know. If you think, if you get Isaiah Simmons, if you get Javon Kinlaw, right, that's not, not doomsday for me. Kinlaw at 10, Mike. Yeah, for you. I don't know. He's got a lot. Of, he's at a high ceiling. All right, Joe Clark, uh, this is about the Steelers. Uh, doing what the national media thinks and taking another mid-round quarterback, in parentheses, Jalen Hurts, to be the guy or another mid-round running well, back. i got to tell you, Joe, they're going to take a mid-round running back. Well, they're ones they have can't stay healthy. Kareth White's got a little something to him. What do we say about on this podcast oh, about please, good players? Please, yeah, no, I'm just saying Don't at least they have something. Don't let prevent you from taking great right. players. James Conner, just injuries are concerned. And, and in this running back class, in the mid-rounds, you're going to be getting good value once you tack on top of that positional value. So I think that's really important to consider. I think running back is going to happen. So, Joe, brace yourself. If that's your doomsday, it's going to happen. I want you to react to something that just came through. Okay, is this breaking news on the pod? It's, it's breaking news, but it's, it's not significant. Okay. It came out in the combine interview that Ross Blacklock, the TCU defensive tackle, had okay. with, the, with the Raiders. They asked him about his 37 parking tickets, and he didn't know about them until that moment in the interview. <laughs> no way. How many parking tickets do you have? I've never had Zero one. that I know yeah, of. I've never had one. That's I'm, not true. I had one in downtown Philly. Did you chance it? Parked on the street. You knew what you were doing? You, you got the ticket? No. no, I ran out of uh, ran out of time. Oh, so you got a ticket for that. Um, yeah, I guess I need to get in. I need to get in on one of these interviews and find out if I've got any combine. I mean, any tickets yeah, that we got to we got to declare for the right. draft so we can find out right. if we got any outstanding parking. Tickets. All right, last one. This one's going to you, Ryan yeah. Booth. Another, ah. We start and end with the Dolphins. Ah. When you have three first round picks and a billion in the top hundred, this is what happens. Ryan Booth. This might be a draft day. This might be a real one. No. Dolphins trade a first round pick to move up for Herbert. No, not and spend happen. their other first round pick. On a running back. Listen, if the so you're double- getting Herbert and Dobbins with your three first-round picks, right? That that would be a doomsday, scenario. right? Because you don't need to trade up for Herbert. Just let it ride, man. Right. Like the Giants aren't trading down. Detroit. The only way Dolphins seriously entertain drafting Herbert is if he's there at five, or if the Lions take two at three, right? I think so. Yeah. So that's 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 the scenario. Where Herbert comes up, so you're, I can't envision them trading up for Herbert. So if it actually happens, yes, it's not good. It, it's very disheartening, and then to not get positional value. But it, again, think about this: Chris Greer has some experience 
and networking and relationships with the Patriots organization. Brian Flores came from 15, 20 years in the Patriots organization. What are the Patriots? How do the Patriots attack their team building? Generally speaking, with good players. Make good players. They move the move around the board. They they move around the board, but also they prioritize inside out. They build their teams inside out. So offensive and defensive lines, your premium positions, your pressure players, your your pass blockers, quarterback. I've seen the Patriots draft Sony Michelle and Lawrence Maroney in the first round. You are going to fall into the trap that many fans do, and I understand. No, I want this. I teams, want this trap to be fallen, and I want you to fight it for the next six weeks. Teams are in various different life cycles, right? Yeah. And the Patriots, when they draft skilled players early, are doing so because of where they are in their current cycle of contracts, needs. Foundationally speaking, they prioritize inside out. Bill Belichick's talked a lot about you know having the core of your defense set, being able to force teams to run sideways and not for, uh, forward, and they're always investing early in the offensive line. So yes, there are instances of every team that goes against their own core principles because of if they feel like they're competitive and what their team needs are or what the the comparable value is for players down the board. But that won't be the case. For the Dolphins, if they need a running back this year, because it's an awesome running back. Just sign Melvin Gordon, Kyle. No, don't sign Melvin Gordon and waste $10 million, Joe. Case closed. It would be a doomsday scenario to walk away with three first-round picks and get Justin Herbert and J.K. (laughs) Dobbins. Need it. Which is why it won't happen. Love to see it. I believe. I believe. I also believe this podcast is done. Kaputs. Like we said, we're here at the Tin Roof. If you're in Indy, come on out tonight, get some dinner. If you're in Indy tomorrow or this weekend for any of the fan events that the NFL is putting on for the combine, come over to Tin Roof. We've got we've got the Draft Network here again tomorrow yeah. at lunchtime yeah. for another yeah. podcast with Jonah and Jordan. Can't wait to sit here and catcall them the entire time. Listen, I have one question for you before we leave. No, okay. One time you and I sat in a Cracker Barrel, and you said to me, if you could take one thing oh, off the this wall is good. Yeah. from this restaurant, which has... Wonderful, crazy decorations. Trinkets everywhere. everywhere. What, what are you? What are you taking with what you? What trinket am yeah, I taking, what are you taking and leaving the tin roof with? There's, they got a, a antelope on the wall. <laughs> they got a, a wild hog on the wall over a, your, your a skeleton here. type thing. They got a Buddha. Yeah. Oh, look at that wild hog! I just said that. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I saw it. I didn't see it. How many wild hogs are, are running around Charlotte? Right I don't know. There's, I saw that video of a javelina running through yeah, Tucson, that was Arizona. Changing, yeah, right? I've been talking about javelinas for years. Um, I'm probably gonna go snow emergency route. I'm gonna go with the antelope. All right, I'm going with the wild hog. It's fitting. It's our personalities. Cool. Just like to get eaten by lions. I hear you, man. Right, <laughs> right up there with your personality. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Bye. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. Come back. See us again tomorrow. If you're here in Indy, come on. Check out the Tin Roof.